Hey guys and gals, this is Matt Monahan from the Mercenary Podcast. Uh, we just have uh, Dan Clifton on today. Um, we're kind of doing a year-end wrap-up where we go over mainly just my resolutions, uh, how I failed at them pathetically, and what I'm looking to do in 2015. As you'll see, uh, Dan recounts uh, happily one of the worst speeches I've ever given in my entire life. Um, I'm glad. I'm really glad that he brought that back. Uh, so I hope you like listening. All right, everybody, we're back. Uh, it's just me and Dan this time around. We're gonna do a kind of after uh, New Year's podcast. Uh, we're gonna talk about some resolutions. We're gonna talk about some companies that we think are doing some pretty cool things and uh you know if we if we could do um kind of our jobs over again and see uh where else we're what else we we would work on so you, dan do you want to kind of i'll start off with with kind of my resolutions from from last year uh how i'm not go i don't really have resolutions this year i just kind of have some principles that i want to operate on what were your what were your resolutions from 2014 that you you failed miserably at? What were your uh... Uh, first one is uh, drop the mic. <laughs> uh, so that's what I would. I mean, a, a perfect um, execution of that would be to give a very rousing speech with a microphone, uh, and then promptly drop it. Sort of like as sort of like a, it's like a sports like a sports movie as a, as an exclamation point at the end of the speech. Yes. Uh, I did, however, give a lot of speeches this year, way more than the previous years, so uh, and that was good. Few of them were with mics, and uh, even fewer were with mics that I could drop. The only speech that I remember you giving, actually, was when, uh, in high school, uh, there was a play, and I forget what play it was, but uh, you you set up in front of the entire crew and, and cast, and, and, and all the, the musicians who, the pit musicians are always like, the weird people at the after party. Uh, and, and and you and you gave a very arousing speech where you said, "I didn't really have high hopes for this production. A few weeks ago, it was an utter, <laughs> it was an utter." <laughs> you said it, and and uh, it was an utter mess. And but you know, I can't believe what it turned into. And then you said, "Everyone here, you guys just totally blew me." And then you said, and then you said, oh, "Away, you guys blew me away." Like. But it was like you just forgot to say away. You say, you and, just, like, thing like, is, if all right, so there's two parts you're like, of you're that. Like, you're like everyone here blew me. If there's any, <laughs> if, there's, if there's any situation where I should have just dropped the mic or someone should have batted it out of my hand, uh, that that was definitely it. Um, yeah. So I mean, the, are the you, other part are you, of that, are you, have you gotten better at giving speeches since not, since that's, not that that seminal much, moment? Not that much better. <laughs> um, I think out to add insult to injury. Um, that was also the year that um, one of the actresses was almost blown away by a mortar. Uh, That's right. She was standing right next to me. So she, she may have been doubly offended by that comment. There was sort of a double entendre of <laughs> a pyrotechnic thing... <laughs> double entendre. Because I think she almost lost an ear. She almost lost hearing, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The the Van Gogh of Plymouth yeah. White Marsh high school trauma I oh man I thought you were going to mention the time that I I went I ran for vice president and told everyone not to vote for me yeah a, 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 a great strategic <laughs> strategic landmark I I think I got more votes because of that I feel like you're you're no I if I remember correctly and maybe this was a different year but I, I remember uh, Ravi Johnny's whole thing was just to go up with a guitar and play a song. He, well, and, he also ran unopposed. <laughs> right, he ran unopposed. But uh, but I remember that you, uh, you. I remember like I saw you waiting in the wings or whatever. Like the place was where like the person after Ravi would would do their speech. And I remember that I saw him come up with a guitar probably for the first time. And then I just saw you also with a guitar. After him, and just and ha- I feel like you had to completely change your whole your whole spiel because uh, you, you were you're also going to do the same thing. No, <laughs> no, you remember that completely falsely. I didn't have a guitar. <laughs> I wasn't running against Robbie. I was running against Rich, and he okay. 
he decided to um, just read the Gettysburg Address as his speech. I do recall that. Yeah. And I was so impressed by that that I was like, there's no way. I was like, he should just win this. That, <laughs> that is so awesome. Um, and I kind of, I was like looking at my speech, which, you know, was written and I was just like, you know, this, th- this speech is not as funny. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go up there and do five minutes of stand up comedy, which was way better than the speech that I had written. I thought like the speech that I'd written, I, I thought was like, was, was somewhat funny, but that, what I actually did was, was way funnier. And I think I got a lot of respect for it. Um, so in terms of dropping the mic in 2015, I should have, I should have done it then. <laughs> I should have done. I should drop the mic in 2001. Right. Yeah. But uh, and but, here we are. But so. think my other resolutions here. I, this is not as, as as interesting. One was to eat more ice cream, which I definitely kicked ass at. And one was to wear a suit more often, which I also kicked ass at. So you know, you got two out of three. I, I feel pretty good about that. And that was for last year, not for this year. That was for last year, yeah. I don't think I really had anything last year. I, I think... Uh, and, and look at you now. I know. I think uh, I think never, never settle on anything, and uh, which is unrealistic because, uh, uh, you know, compromise is unfortunately uh, the very nature of the fabric of, of uh, some parts of getting things done. Um, so settled on way too many things, uh, <laughs> in 2014. Um, <laughs> All right. uh, no, um, but yeah, for 2015, I, I'm trying to think what, what a year is 2015? Cause I don't usually, I don't usually do this kind of thing. So for, for 2015, I, I've kind of, I've ordered these three things, uh, in order of kind of like importance to me. One is autonomy. And I think I, I pretty much, I handle that pretty well. Like most of what I do, I'm very autonomous. Um, and while I get a lot of feedback from different people, there's, there's no, like on a day-to-day basis, no one's really telling me what to do. And I really enjoy that. And I want to keep that up. Uh, the second is a little, little tougher, but like I'm starting to wade into, which is location independence. Like, mm. This is for mostly for work, really. Like I want to be able to work anywhere and I want to be just as effective, uh, whether I'm in, I'm in the room or whether I'm not in the room. And I know that that's ambitious and really hard to pull off, but I, I want to make a go at it. Yeah, no, I uh, I like that. It's that sort of tough because um, I feel uh, I guess one of my resolutions would be uh, less email and more effective email. Uh, but yeah. we'll get to, we'll we'll get to that. But it seems like at least in my business, it seems like all the time uh, deals take months to get done, and then it's an email traded here, like uh, in my inbox right now. I have uh, a conversation from September that has finally been followed up upon, which is insane. Um, but it seems as though their deals take forever to get done, and then at the last minute, people get in the room together or they get on the phone together, and there's a flurry of activity, and finally something gets done immediately. So it's almost as if you know, Pete, nothing ever gets done until there's like some massive emergency where everything has to get done immediately. Yeah, it's like so, that, that John, Ad- uh, John Adams quote that was, uh, he's like, looks like I have to make uh, like 20 clocks strike 12 at the same time. Like, right. yeah, just get everybody on the same page at the same time. I didn't, I didn't know about that. But yeah. as someone who is inundated by email, uh, John Adams uh, uh, obviously came yeah, up he, with that. Yeah, he really felt your pain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, but I, but I, but my point, my meandering point to this is, I feel like location independence is is tough because of situations like that. Yeah, the only thing that I really worry about is the um, the time difference. Like when you have a six hour or greater time difference is a is a problem. So, yeah, you know, I think like if I, you know, if I work at home, it's not a problem. You know, that's in the same city. You know, literally two miles from the office. Which means, like, if you're working on the East Coast, not a problem. If you work on the on the West Coast, yeah, it's not that bad. You're just gonna, you know, like, if I'm there and the and the team's on the East Coast, then it really isn't that bad at all. It just means like I'm up. Well, I'm up later, I guess. But yeah, it's, it's like not too bad. But if I'm in like another country in Europe, if I'm in Southeast Asia, then it becomes like you you know that you're not going to get an answer from that person within you know eight to ten hours. So. Yeah, your your communication has to be like at the top of its game. Yeah, it's it's weird. I um I work with a lot of people in in France and Germany, 
and uh, I'm usually in Los Angeles, so I think that's like eight or eight or nine hours ahead. And so, really, you have one you have one shot to get them at like eight a.m. and then yep. they're they're gone for the day. So uh, you can stay up to like one or two and then catch them, but that's really no guarantee. And so, um, you know, yeah. by what so I've so done you just in lose the past, dates. what I've done in the past is like if you're the person that is kind of making it tough because you're you're in a strange place, you just have to like just make it work. It means like get get on the call at four a.m. Yeah, um, but you know. but Europe Europe's a little bit different. I mean, in Europe there are laws about how people can't like you employers can't force people to uh oh, to really? answer email after I like have 6 heard p.m. About that. And well, I think it's on. It's not. I think it's uh, not quite a law yet, but it's being proposed. But no, I totally agree with you. If you're if you're in Hawaii, for example, and, and Hawaii is like three hours behind LA, then yeah, if you're there, then you're there because you're taking some sort of uh, work vacation, so that you should probably make a better effort to to help people out. Um, but yeah, I mean, also by better email uh, when traveling or not traveling. I sort of mean like doing email. The best the best way to do email is to do email for one hour at a time and then stop completely and then do something else for four or five hours. And yeah. then what I, I used to kind of like do that. Um, I used to do like the Tim Ferriss. You, you do it at like 11 a.m. and then like 3 p.m. and then you're done for the day. You like right. just split it into two spaces. What I've been doing now, which I think has been working, is like the complete opposite of that, which is like just triage everything that comes in like every 10 minutes um unless you you like get caught up in whatever work you're doing which is probably a good thing but i keep like i like i immediately go if if i don't need to respond to this or i don't even need to think about it anymore just like archive like i archive more liberally than not yeah and it hasn't hurt me like i i keep inbox zero like my inbox is zero like basically at all times and I'm just relentless about. I'm also relentless about automating what gets archived. Um, so I like I have a lot of rules that get set up, and that's kind of worked. Like I probably should do that. I just have way too many emails. I feel like the whole triage I, I, I system. Do, I do feel like you you get probably ten times as many emails as I do. Probably, yeah. I mean, especially if you're working on a movie. If you're if you're actually in production on the movie, forget it. But the, all the other. But if you're in production on a movie your life is sort of hell anyway. So it doesn't matter. But it's like, it's really about cherishing like the other time. So, uh, and I feel like triaging email, like I just feel like an email triager. So uh, most of the time where it's yeah, right. every hour. <laughs> so I've been, I feel like the, Tim Ferriss is the four hour work week guy. Is that, is that who that is? Yeah. Or is it? Um, yeah, I feel like uh, doing it trying to spend a few hours or like an hour or two on email completely and then like actually handling stuff but in terms of going other places uh i was in you know i've been we uh, spent new year's together in, in philadelphia which was uh which was uh, very exciting um i'm trying to think, nothing like really epically memorable came out of that uh which is probably good because uh no one got arrested yeah nothing no, really bad that happened yeah um, but, uh, after that I went up to, uh, went up to New York for a few days and, um, you know, I could see, uh, obviously most stuff gets done in LA, but, you know, I definitely want to try and explore, uh, doing, you know, working a month or two in New York and just getting a place or swap, doing like a swap and doing Airbnb or something or then going, I feel like, I feel like London actually might be kind of good if you did a lot of work in Asia, cause at least you could split the time zones. But where, where are you thinking of going? I mean, well, I'm going to to Thailand in uh, in May, right? So that'll be like sort of half. Uh, so I'm gonna go for a month. It'll be like half vacation uh, and then half kind of like a work working vacation. Um, and that's really you know the reason I want to do it and the reason I want to go for a month um, is one to you know to test to see if I can if if I can make the kind of remote work work, but also I I really don't like the way most people including myself take vacations uh and usually it's like you know you take a vacation for maybe two three weeks if you can get out uh that much and i I rarely take a vacation that's that's longer than like a week week and a half and it kind of sucks because what happens is if you fly somewhere i mean the flight 
the money you spend on the flight is going to be the same when you stay there for a week or a month. And also, you're not there long enough. You're not there long enough to get bored. And I and it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but that's kind of what I'm going for is that I don't want to be in a rush when I go somewhere. And I don't want to feel that like if I you know just kind of hang around in one spot one day if uh, that I'm I'm like wasting my time. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. It, it puts more pressure on on like everything suddenly matters a lot more. Or, or if you go, you almost like play it safe because suddenly like you can't drive two hours out of the way to go to this thing, which might be awesome, but you're not going to do it now because every day matters so much. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I, I want like I want to have like three days, and I, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I just want to go to that beach for that day. It might suck. It might not. It might be awesome. Like you get the chance to kind of explore, and they get the, you get the chance to really kind of feel like you live there, right? And and I want to know what that feels like, and I think that that's more exciting to me than the the idea of like having action packed every single day of of like the short amount of time that you're there. Yeah, but then it, cause then it becomes exhausting in different ways. Yeah, you get back from vacation and it's not refreshing. Yeah, I think that's an interesting theory where um, it's like don't go anywhere unless you're willing to stay there for a really long time, and like don't go anywhere until unless you're willing to stay there until you get bored. So yeah, it's <laughs> that's kind of yeah, that's kind of way I think about it. Yeah, I mean, if you can do that based on your schedule, then that's great. But I. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, have, I have employers that are uh, receptive enough to that kind of thinking. Um, I, I, I would say that I'm, I'm pretty lucky to be able to, to do that kind of thing. What do you think in terms of, so if you were to go away, what would your, uh, forgetting time zone, but if you woke up, like what would your day-to-day be? Like would you work in the morning and then go out, and then go out later, or what do, you, what do you think? Well, what I've been thinking, since I'm the kind of person who's like, I'm not an early riser, I've always tried to be. But uh, I really, if I don't have something specific to wake up for, I'm like the kind of person who tends to sleep in. Um, so I think, you know, when I go to, I'm going to Bangkok, I, I think I want to try to do some kind of martial arts thing. Like some people have suggested you try to like uh, join some like Mai Tai gym for like a week or two. Like something where I have to wake up, I have to deal with people. And it's just like, that's how you start your day. Yeah. And then I, I, there's there's like a co-working space, uh, one's called Hubba, which is like right in the middle of the city, that a lot of people who do what I do, uh, they're called digital nomads, um, they all kind of meet up and uh, you can you can rent a, a desk there for a day or for a week. So it's kind of the same kind of thing you might do uh, in Philadelphia or really any other city, um, but just with, with people who use Bangkok as like a jumping off point. And they're usually from all over the place. Yeah, you mentioned this a little bit, the sort of trend where is it predominantly in your in your industry or is it different have you seen it across different industries? I guess it would make it's, more sense to It's be a lot of it's a lot of web developers, it's a lot of designers, a lot of writers, um like all different kinds, really like, you know, from I guess from the kinds of people who are lucky enough to be able to like write a novel, but more commonly it's probably copywriters, uh, bloggers, people that do uh online marketing. That kind of yeah. Thing. Anything where all you need is is a uh, is a computer, and you don't need to physically be in the room with the other people you work with. See, a lot of people in my industry think that sort of that everyone can kind of do that, but the problem is when it comes down to it, you um you just have to be when you actually go into production on a movie or or development when you're still working on the script, you really need to be in the same room. Like you really need. Uh, especially when you're in in pre, uh, you know in prep and pre-production, because you have so many different departments, you need to have an office. Um, uh, you know, in terms of co-working, there's so many co-working spaces now, and so the trend has been, you know, and I'm very guilty of this, but have have learned from it where, you know, you get a small office, you try and expand and have a, a little bit of an office, and you try and bring people in uh, a few at a time, and traditionally movies have huge offices where you know, you have everyone, every department, a hundred people together under one roof, and that's great because everyone can go, kind of go and, and talk, and you can hold little impromptu meetings and more official meetings, and so everyone tries to do the co-working thing in film. I feel like between movies, I could do it, but once you're in prep or once you're about yeah, to be I, prep, the way the way I see the the whole like uh, like maybe location independent or like remote work thing is that it's 
you can go completely like full remote work uh, if you if if you can lose a day. Like if you need to make a decision, it's you don't need, it doesn't need to be done. Uh, you know, within the hour or within like a day, um, but everything and, and everything can kind of like coast and, and keep going. So that like it works perfectly at companies that are already doing pretty well. Um, they're not strapped for cash, and they don't need like crazy growth that's coming from like new features. Right. Um, for companies that are growing a lot and like really need to be executing because they're, they're maybe they haven't gotten to the, the right growth trajectory that they need to be, it's like you can't really do that because you every day really does count. And then for me, like from my perspective, for film, it's just like every second counts. You know, like everybody's being billed, you know, you know by the hour. They have certain dates that they, they, it's like an absolute cutoff, or where they have to go to another the movie, or they have to do something else. Oh yeah, certainly in production. So the, yeah, the stakes are way higher. It seems to me. I feel like in post post production has exploded uh, and it has changed probably the most over the past, you know, five ten years. Um, rather than you know, prep is still pretty much the same um, in many ways. Production has gone more digital, but post, you know, for example, on a movie I did recently, uh, I was in L.A. and it was shooting elsewhere, and we were able to beam the exact image that the camera was seeing and get a tap on that camera and watch it live in LA uh, uh, in order to judge VFX actually in particular on that movie. It was sort of, we were shooting and it was, you know, consulting in Los Angeles for whether the VFX plates that were being done were, were correct. So not seeing the footage, but actually seeing the camera feed before that actually happened. So Hmm. there is, it is theoretically possible. This is a little bit insane, but um, definitely for post, like I could, if I wrapped a film, I could fly to to Thailand or Hawaii, and and watch cuts, obviously from there, and, and give notes and and do other stuff. But in terms of, you know, there is the whole <laughs> for for sort of uh, the armchair producer. I'm usually more on the ground, but there is sort of the idea that for the more armchair producer, that not only are you watching footage every night, but you're actually watching like from the office. You're watching stuff that's happening. So, um. But, yeah, it seems like a much more, for me, it would have to be uh, writing stuff on the side or in between uh, or after stuff's wrapped and that kind of thing. Right. Um, actually, I wanted to bring up, uh, so this is the last principle in my, uh, uh, my, New, Year's, my New Year's principles was um, asset ac- acquisition. So meaning putting more money into things like stocks, uh, speculative stuff, uh, kind of like Bitcoin, um, trying to get the money that I'm making to, to kind of work for me. Um, so that's that's another thing I'm like really focused on. You've been playing the board game Acquire, which is our favorite pastime. Yeah. I just, uh, and probably... I, I need to buy it inspira- inspiration, inspiration for this, uh, this podcast. Um, yeah, no, totally. I've been... Uh, you know, because our respective industries are are well, at least mine. Mine is uh, going to go away soon, so it's all about <laughs> buying as much property as possible. Um, yeah, no, it's it's weird. It's funny because for New Year's we were like, well, are we going to go absolutely huge? Uh, and it's like, no, because everyone. I've been talking to a lot of different professionals that are sort of in our circle, but in different circles, and everyone's sort of like, you know, you're reaching your late twenties, and it's sort of like, yeah. I don't really go out anymore. <laughs> it's just how much money. It's like if I just didn't go out, like, and I just save. Yeah, I mean, you that look money, at you look at your much... like mint profile, and you're just like, ah, I'm spending well, way too much money on. on my mint profile, my, my my mint profile is actually useless because, and I guess I haven't really put a lot of work into it. But mint to me is useless because everything is unclassified. Like unclassified, oh, I really? write a check to like my uh, to you know write a check to. Um, pay for rent or pay for other stuff it's like well that's a check and then um, like right. car payment doesn't show up correctly so like I have to go in and do so much work in Mint to make it even matter that I sort of I've, I've given up yeah I, every now and then when I just kind of want to I'll do like the last month and I'll make sure that's all uh, classified uh, just to just so I can be like well last month was mostly like every month before that let me just get the breakdown of where I'm spending money Right. But no, in restaurants, you look at restaurants, you're just like, oh, wow. <laughs> I can tell you that if Uber was a public company, I would definitely buy stock. Yeah. Well, well, uh, Uber got acquired um, 
obviously there was big valuations recently, but not who had, did Airbnb have an IPO? Somebody had an IPO, I forget, or was it um, uh, Lending Club had an IPO? I think. I don't know. I think so. Because um, all three of those companies had huge, which are you know, which are very sharing economy companies. Um, uh, Lending Club allows you to do micro loans. Um, Airbnb obviously is Airbnb, and Uber is Uber. Um, but yeah, all three. I think Airbnb was valued at around four billion. Um, and it, yeah, it's all. I mean, it's a game. Yeah, <laughs> these valuations are out of control. I mean, I, I think the, like I think what Uber is doing is awesome. I think what Airbnb is doing is is really is really good. Um, well, Uber Uber has like the most questionable uh, sales and uh, ethics uh, possible, but I <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean it's pretty I, it's pretty I think, funny. I think a lot of it is overblown. I mean, there there was the one thing about like uh, signing up for all the Lyft, like doing the the, the Lyft um, requests and then canceling them, and that's just like bad form. That's then who knows if that's a systemic thing? It, it might have been. Um, it's 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 like so evil. Uh, it's like so like evil villain thing. It's like you're gonna. It's it's like someone's gonna tie someone to a train track. They're like that bad. If you if you're gonna, you know, it's like some evil person calling all the lifts and canceling them. It's like comically. It, bad. Well, it means it, the way the evidence showed that there was like you know twenty different people that did it. So it was like a coordinated thing. Whoever coordinated it uh, is kind of a jerk. But uh... I think Uber realized that the taxi situation is so dire. Um, like free market wise, the taxi situation, like getting a taxi sucks. There's like if you if you're at the airport, you, Dude, you, it, Uber's it, making its money based on the fact that it's so annoying to pull out your wallet. You talk to the taxi driver, he like you're like, uh, can I put a card? And then he like berates you for not paying cash. For, for, I guess for good reason from his perspective because you know they don't get the the tips from the the cards um, until like a month later. So yeah, they, they definitely want cash, and like, and it's just a huge like. Oh man, I feel really guilty, but like, I just I don't have any cash, <laughs> and it's just like Uber is just like you don't have to do that. Well, yeah, Uber's whole thing is it's like how bad can we be? It, you know, the taxi situation is so shitty that we have so much rope to hang ourselves with that we're just gonna push it as far as possible. Yeah, because, I mean, so, I got and also like it's it's not always safe. Like I got in a cab accident. Where a guy just was not paying attention and just rear-ended the back of this car, right? Uh, yeah, and I was, you know, we were probably too many people in that car too. <laughs> anyway, but, yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously your travel plans uh, and uh, what, oh, oh, was, uh, asset acquire, uh, asset uh, acquisition. Yeah, yeah, so that's kind of like. I'm 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 trying to figure out different. So, so I, I think that this podcast is a part of that, where it's just like you you want to have kind of an audience um, that kind of can you know give you ideas, you know, thinks kind of the way you do, and it's it's kind of like a club of people that kind of are kind of think alike, um, and that's 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 part of you can create different things around that. You know, there, there's a lot of people that you know they'll, they'll create like an ebook or something like that. Um, and a lot of them are like pretty good where it'll be you know a thing that's like 50 bucks and it'll save you way more than $50 worth of time right and all you need to do is really just kind of get those the those people that all have the same problem together and build some trust and then say you know listen here's everything i've learned about this one problem that you probably all have uh and i can give it to you for like a pretty reasonable price yeah, I'm always surprised at how how few people um use sharing economy stuff, whether it's you know, buying ebooks with without that aren't through a publisher, whether it's using Airbnb, whether it's I just can't imagine doing it. It's like people who and maybe it's a parallel to how like some people just still use travel agents because they just don't want to deal with it and they think that I guess maybe they just book all business class, they just don't care. But to me, I just don't understand how that still exists. And so, uh, what? <laughs> how do you? What, what do you see going out of business or changing completely in the next two or three years? Going out of okay. So this, um, so Tesla. So I'm a big Elon Musk fan. So te- so he he's 
made Tesla, like the car company, mm-hmm. he has. I'm not sure if he's a complete old owner or if he is just a part of Solar City, which is a solar company, and um, SpaceX. So right. He does own SpaceX. So he's like modern day uh, Tony Stark. Right. He is Tony Stark. Yeah. Which is which is pretty awesome. Now, I think that Tesla is not really a car company. It's an energy company that just happens to sell cars hmm. and is proving their battery technology by making awesome cars. I think, when you say energy company, like what's a comp? Like what? So what this, this does is he, they're basically working on like really awesome batteries. And like the the hu- the biggest problem with a lot of um, a lot of either mobile tech and I mean like phones um, or the, you know electric cars has been that the batteries are either way too expensive, they're too inefficient, they don't hold uh, a charge as long as it w- is what you would need. Um, and when that becomes when that changes, when batteries become way more effective, so like when you have you know. Yeah, a car battery that will last for weeks without a charge or even your phone battery that will last for weeks or months without a charge like this is coming eventually that means that you can you can build things that that uh use more power um i think more specifically with with tesla though is that so they're building these solar panels that are more efficient which means you can get more energy from the sun and then um, batteries that are way more efficient, which means you can store more of it. Which means that you could put some panels on the top of your house, and right now, you if you have those panels on the top of your house, you're pretty much just putting that uh, energy back into the grid, and you're probably not 100% on that. But if you have an awesome battery and a, and a great panel, you don't need an energy company at all. And that really changes things. So what do you think? What do you think their end goal is then? If they're uh, if they're loss leading cars, what's uh, what do you think? What do you think their end goal is? I think it's it, it in a lot of ways to to like usurp um, fossil fuels with with solar and possibly anything else. I don't know, but if if you're the person with a battery that will la- that is like wh- like orders of magnitude more efficient than than what currently exists, you have a lot of power. Yeah. And then, and like, and and then when you have, you know, sol- when solar becomes to the point where it doesn't need to be subsidized anymore, and it's actually like really efficient, then it's just like, all right, well, do you really need that coal power? Do you really need that barrel of oil? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know uh, really that much about how close that is. As I've said before, uh, doesn't mean I won't talk about it. Um, the <laughs> Uh, in co-working, I just remember over the past probably two or three years, because of the subsidies, there were so many like snake oil solar salespeople. Um, I think when when we had a co-working space in Brooklyn, they were there. Uh, when I had a space in Los Angeles, uh, actually where my office is now, there were some uh, there were some solar salespeople next door, and oh, yeah. and that probably had a lot to do with tax credits, right? And so, which is funny because. Uh, what, what I'm about to say is sort of counterintuitive to the film industry, but to me, when I always heard their pitches, I always would say, "Well, this like this can't exist without the subsidies because they're just pitching." It's like you know, with your house now, you could flip this, and you could, and you could, uh, you know, you could be self sufficient in a year and a half if you did this. And really, it just they're just running a boiler room next door, and they're just cold calling the hell out of people. And um, and I was like. It's like how this house of cards, and of course these people. It's always in my office. They last about two months, and then they like move somewhere else, which is uh, which is funny. But um, but yeah, that's sort of <laughs> like my my impression of solar is based on that experience. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's like an aspect of snake oil to it, and it's it's probably. I mean, you're saying that because we were really around people that were very snake oily. <laughs> uh, but um but you know then there's there are people that you know the incentives just work out and it actually is good because you you'll get people that are like oh we can get a tax incentive plus we can uh sell the energy back to the grid and it's all using our the top of our building that already exists like some people are building panels on the the roofs of their of their like you know like 10 acre construction facility right 
and they're putting them in for free and they're just, it's like it's like a net completely net positive and and it just becomes a no-brainer all someone has to do is just tell you that it exists and it's just like okay you want to do the construction for free you get paid by the government and then we get free money at the end of it great <laughs> yeah no i think i think that makes sense i guess some of the bets that i heard were sort of based on the cost of energy you know uh, like fuel costs skyrocketing and of course that hasn't happened of course it may happen next month but it's sort of like all these you know sort of the deals that i was sort of hearing were you know based on 20 to 30 years in terms of showing dividends and were based on uh the sky falling and, and oil skyrocketing so Clearly, that's happened since <laughs> since 2012. Yeah, that's always really problematic. It's it would seem you would you would think that people would either be smarter than that or more risk averse. Uh, you know, but I, I don't know. I guess I guess not. I mean, I guess some people are just like you know what, uh, we're not going to get any better at uh, drilling for oil. So and and uh, demand is always going to be pretty high. So the barrel up uh, price for a barrel of oil is always going to be really high i don't know so who's um who's a company that you think that you followed for a while that you think is on the precipice of uh of something great uh tech or otherwise this year i feel like i should have like 10 names <laughs> no, well, actually, there, there are some really cool there are some really cool companies out there i think that uh one that i've been watching has been um Emotive, mm-hmm. and it, Emotive makes a an affordable EEG monitor, and this is like a like a brain monitor. Mm. So what it is is they they've had one where it was you had these like capacitive uh, uh, kind of not markers but just uh, leads I guess you put on your brain and you're and you're you're outside of your head, um, and that's more for like a clinical setting, and it's like it's like six hundred dollars. And it'll give you like 15 bands of EEG monitoring, which I I, I have like barely uh, an understanding of what exactly that is. But it mostly I think it's just you know, it measures the con- conductivity of your uh, of, of the skin uh, on your on your head, and you can kind of tie that to certain uh, brain activity. Um, but they're also they're they're about to release one that's about three hundred dollars, and as it doesn't have as many leads to put in your head, but it's easier to put on. Um, you can just kind of like slip it on, just like a like a um, almost like a hat or something. But it's but it's a thing that goes around, like almost like headphones, basically. And um, I think you can run with it. Um, I want to get into a float tank with it on. Um, I want to meditate with it on. I want to walk around with it. And it's a way to kind of just really test, uh, like in mass, a lot of the different things that uh, you know can help you know with mindfulness meditation um what is it like spike if you see like a violent image or something or if you get freaked out by something or is it, does yeah, it what it does it measure mes- it can measure certain things so like if you're producing like theta waves which is what you if you're like a really good meditator you like produce theta waves and that's like i think it, my understanding of it is like you know when you kind of you're coming out of a sleep and you know what? When you kind of, you're almost awake, but you sleep feels really good. It's like usually in the morning. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that that's, I, and I want to test this. I want to test this assumption. But I, I, I feel like that in the morning, and I also feel like that when I when I feel like I'm meditating really well. And I think it's it's like highly to get in that state is really productive, for at least for me. I feel like I, I my I'm not consciously really. Th- going over things in my head but my brain is doing something and I usually like whenever I wake up out of that I have a great idea uh, or s- some problem that I've been working on and I can't figure out while I'm awake is like is uh, fixed oh no I totally agree I actually try and stay in that state uh, as much as possible uh, like I actually sort of actively not it's not really active but it's sort of um, it's it's like a like I try to not I, I try and uh, think thoughts where I don't get out of that state because sometimes you can break it's not concentration because you don't quite have full control but if you really wanted to you could probably think of something that would just jar you out of that state of mind right uh, and it's, it, like, if you kind of you wake up fully it's hard to get back into that 
Yeah. And it's it's like the part like where you like you might fall back into a into a dream for like a second and then come out. You like you you want to be right on the edge of of that. And f- like for me, a lot of people are just like a lot of people who notice, you know, when I sleep, they're, they're just like, "Wow, you like you sleep a lot." And <laughs> and really the thing is it's just like I do sleep a lot, but I usually like when I'm really sleeping, it's only for like 6 to 8 hours. And then I kind of just sometimes I, I just try to keep myself in that state. And I have a hard time proving it, really, but, like, it feels really productive because I will come out of that and be like, I know exactly what the solution to this problem that I've been, like, banging my head against the wall for. Yeah, no, I I actually totally agree. Um, Sometimes, too, you don't do yoga, but sometimes uh, if there's, like, an hour and a half or two-hour yoga class that I've done at the end in Shavasana, which is when you lie down and sort of absorb the whole practice for about 20 minutes or I guess like 15 minutes. Sometimes I've like slipped into that pretty much the entire time where where you're not asleep, but because you're sort of, it's, it's done in darkness and sometimes with incense and, and music. And so you're sort of at that point, you're sort of being very reflective. And so I think that sort of transported to when you're sort of in that state, like waking up or in like a semi-conscious state. Um, yeah, it'd be pretty fascinating to see this $300 device hooked up to your, your brain in all of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's kind of what I, um, I'm really curious about. I mean, another thing that we were saying that we should talk about on here is like, you know, what is the, what is the business that you would start today if you, if you could? Oh Yeah. And I think one is I've been talking to um, a guy from UPenn uh, who's a researcher, and he, he threw out the term like brain gym. And I thought I was like, okay, I think I think I know what you're saying. And it's basically just like I'm kind of try to start a business that was bent on really um, trying to measure the different cognitive effects of either nutritional supplements physical exercise, um, you know, brain games, and kind of luminosity kind of thing, meditation, floating, um, and just trying to like really optimize your mental health. Because I think that there is, I, I, th- I think that the, our health system uh, is like particularly poor at behavioral and mental health. And I also think that while there are people who are maybe like have severe health problems that's that's one thing um clinical depression i think that's another thing i think that there are people who would not be clinically um depressed or have anxiety that's not like you 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 need a uh, pharmaceutical just to function i think there are people that are just like you know what sometimes i have some ups sometimes i i have some downs and i'd like to just kind of mitigate that you know i'd like to to know some things that that really help and and really just optimize um, your happiness and, and maybe not happiness is not the right the right word but like optimize like the way you feel on any given day well there's so many there's so many ways now of measuring you know whether it's like a fit bracelet or the health app or other stuff where you know exactly how far you've traveled you can map exactly what you've done in the day from an activity standpoint I think mm-hmm. the, the next inevitable step and honestly some of them once you get past sort of the gimmick of it, they're not the greatest because all those Most apps... Most of them are, are absolutely terrible. Uh, they they are, fact, are. I was actually shocked by, by how bad a lot of those apps are and how unintuitive the the aggregate of all that data is. But Well, it's just a lot of it's kind of just useless because it's, it's like, okay, I took this many steps in a given day. And th- that data itself just is usually like a you know a thumbs up or a thumbs down to how much activity you're, you're getting. It doesn't really give you any insight. And, and, and I think what's going to happen is there's going to be better metrics from better better measurement of things. I think there's going to be a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or whatever that takes your takes blood samples in real time. Oh yeah, and like that's that's, that's something. <laughs> yeah, and when, once that happens and takes heart, you know, obviously you can get mods and and you can take heart rate and take uh, other stuff. But once there is once there is like a biometric measure, like a you know like in science fiction movie which is probably about a year and a half away um it's not that far away but what i was getting at is i feel like there's so much um focus on 
sort of physical health and how it relates to technology. I feel like in terms of mental and uh, other things, I feel like that is something that hasn't been explored as much. So in terms of like what is your brain doing, uh, you know, there are a lot of, you know, sports science has looked at sleep and how much sleep you're getting uh, and as a huge component of how just how well you're doing. And and that's something that I've seen. But in terms of other ways of measuring the brain and and when like, you know, when your brain is most effective and efficient, I feel like that might be something that will happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I, well, my, uh, one of my other friends was, was talking about how it would be interesting to have kind of like a braincation, like a, a vacation where not only you are on a, like a resort, maybe you're on a beach or something like that, and there's nice restaurants or whatever, but like there are, you know, like meditation's a part of it, um, lectures about certain things, you know, certain topics are a part of it. Like maybe like-minded people go to the same place. I mean, that, that was partially why we uh, started this podcast was just to get lots of like-minded people together. Um, Everyone's playing competitive board games at a breakneck pace. Everyone has to. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of like get some of these people that are really ambitious, but you know, like want to learn from different people. Um, and get them all together into one spot, and but also, but also, just have a vacation, like do the things you would normally do, you know, like um, sit in a beach, drink cocktails, go scuba diving, like that kind of thing. But also, just try to find people that are really like-minded. Well, yeah, and I, I'm not sure if this is a thing, but I feel like everyone's always focused on the physical manifestation of of things, where it's like, well, don't you know, don't, you need to sleep a lot because otherwise your performance will be affected. You know, you need to don't eat like shit food. Uh, You know, I wonder if there are ways of not just seeing how food and other environmental factors affect your physical well-being, but I wonder if there is a way of um, doing like an allergy test for your brain uh, (laughs) individually. Like, so this food. Right, okay. It's like, so you can't eat bananas because, like, if you ate this instead of that, like, your brain function would be way better. And so I feel like that's a good example of, I'm not sure if it's even possible or if the science would support that, but I wonder, everyone always thinks about sleep and, well, maybe not sleep, but everyone thinks about, uh, you know, diet, fitness, everything else as a as a physical only uh, kind of thing. And I, and I wonder if there will be sort of like brain and like productivity or restoration uh, sort of focus when it comes to, to diet and exercise. Yeah. I mean, are you talking about just like like certain foods can have an effect, like how you think? Yeah, maybe. I mean, this, um, th- there was an article that, that came out uh, I think yesterday that was saying that depression is more of an inflammation problem than it is uh, anything else. And there's like some growing body of, of work and consensus around like there's if you're if you're like becoming clinically depressed about something, it may be because you just have you're eating the wrong thing or you have some kind of infection that you're not aware of. That's like very subtle. Yeah. Uh, and I think and I think that's definitely possible because there there's also a lot of information about how if you have like if the your bacteria in your in your gut is is kind of compromised or is is in a bad way like it's going to affect the way your brain works and there's like some there's some research around trying to tie um uh gastrointestinal problems to autism because Hmm. because they're like they're so highly correlated uh and then there's there's kind of like this idea that the the bacteria that is in your um in your gut is is somehow affecting your mental health and uh, that sounds completely like hocus pocus, but I, I th- there is a, like a decent amount of research that is supports that. At, at least, it's something that I think a lot of people are going to experiment on soon. Yeah, it's something that I feel like we don't. Um, well, <laughs> again, as someone who's uninformed, I mean, I think I I read that like no one has exactly the same uh, digestive bacteria. Like it's all like everyone sort of has a different cocktail of that. Whereas, like, and if it if it goes wrong, like if if everyone 
it's almost like you have like billions of like people working for you, and if they all go on strike and like just rebel against your body, like you're right. like you're kind of fucked. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like the the, the the more crazy uh, theory is is that you know like a person is really just a big meat suit that's carrying around a, like a lot of bacteria. So like human beings and really animals in general are just like an elaborate transportation mechanism for bacteria. Right. Which like, if that's the truth, then all right. <laughs> well, that's what, maybe that's why I'm compelled to go to another country. <laughs> um, well, on that note, um, no, I, <laughs> what, what, what do you think would be at your, uh, your brain-cation? What, what would be there besides, because well, you sort of described like what you do normally. So I'm just interested in see like what would, uh, well, I mean, you wouldn't be working for one. I mean, it would actually be a vacation. Um, well, that, that's what I'm, that, that, that I wonder though, because is it sort of like you're you're working out, or are you just having a vacation? All right, so I guess there's two ideas here. Like, so one one aspect of it is the vacation aspect. The other person, the other aspect is kind of like the gym aspect, where this is a place where you would devote time to go to. Like, you would go to a physical gym, um, and you would do things that would be hopefully would be proven to affect uh, your cognitive ability positively or your mental state, your anxiety. You know, maybe it's, you know some people come in because they have anxiety about certain things and you just need to kind of calm down. Some people, maybe they need to have a, like, get better at making decisions that are based off principle and not based off, like, emotion or what somebody else wants them to do. Um, maybe it would just be a combination of, like, four hours of intense problem solving and like intense team building yeah maybe and then, it's, and then it's four just hours kind of, like, of yeah, surfing yeah it's like stimulation um followed by non or like four hours of float tank or four hours of of surfing i mentioned water because you can't bring a phone in the water like it's like four <laughs> hours of something where you have to do stuff not maybe not involving screens yeah, i mean but. i think a disconnection is probably yeah because there, there are plenty of things you can do uh that you know, are good for your brain that are not tied to a screen. Like you can play chess for an hour, and you, like, and that's and that's a thing. But it, another thing is is that it, you you would think that you'd find a lot a lot of like minded people at that place. So it'd be a good networking thing as well. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see what 2015 does for your vacation and for your your brain vacation. Yeah, just kind of bring it all together. Hopefully, I'm not giving speeches at any of the places. <laughs> So I'll get kicked out of the country. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt. We'll talk soon. All right. See you. Yep.